Hey, 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 welcome. Joe McCall here, REI in your car as I drive over a turtle. I didn't drive over him like he's still alive. <laughs> There's a turtle in the middle of the road. I don't know, the last week we've seen, I've seen about three different turtles in the last few days. They're just, I don't know what's going on. They're out and about. We saw one in our house the other day and our dog, I was so proud of her. She saw the turtle and I told her to stay and she didn't move. And she just, we just watched that turtle <laughs> go across our driveway. Anyway, oh, and then, then yesterday I saw a turtle on the side of the road. It was about, the, it was about as big as a basketball, like the diameter. All right, so this is REI in your car. And last episode, I was talking about, I got kind of started, right? And I was talking about mortgages. It was hard to get mortgages at the time. I think I'm going to take the scenic route here. So instead of turning left, I'm going to turn right. And there's a bandit sign. <laughs> Get full price for your house, as is cash. Phone number. I know the guy who did that sign, by the way. I saw him the other day. I was driving home late one night from... My son had a birthday party at this jump place. Like a trampoline place. Have you seen those? And uh, he... I was driving him home late. It's like 11.30 at night. And I saw this guy doing bandit signs. And uh, I knew who he was, so I stopped the car and I started yelling at him because he couldn't see who I was. And I was yelling at him, what are you doing, you vandal, you criminal? I'm going to report you to the police. You can't do those signs, you illegal moron or whatever. I was, <laughs> I was so funny. And he was like, I could see him freaking out. I was like, what, what, what? And uh, when he recognized me, you know, it was funny. But... Uh, <laughs> he said he's put he puts out 80 signs every night this guy's a good wholesaler he wholesales yeah five six homes a month maybe more uh, his nickname is buddy I'm not gonna tell you his real name because maybe the sign police are listening to my podcast <laughs> he puts signs out sometimes that say buddies buy buddy buys houses anyway he's doing deals with them so Take that for what it's worth. Here's a guy who's hustling, right? He keeps it real simple. He does a little bit of direct mail, gets most of his deals from bandit signs. Every night he's out there working. Now he doesn't have kids, so maybe that's why he does it, right? But yeah, he's putting out 70, 80 signs every day. Okay, so um, I, the banks wouldn't lend, right? And it became harder and harder to buy houses, but the bank loans I could get, I was buying them all wrong. I wasn't negotiating big enough discounts. I was counting on appreciation. I was completely ignoring the fundamentals. And so while most of what I teach is wholesaling or lease options, that's most of what I do now, right? It's really important that you understand the fundamentals of buying and holding property. Like you got to understand the numbers, how the numbers work, how does cash flow work? Like 
Um, what is a good cash on cash return on your investments? Uh, how much leverage is too much? Should you use any leverage when you buy a property? But what's a good, like, when, when not most of us who are wholesalers think about cash flow fundamentals, like how to analyze a deal by the numbers, looking at, uh, I'm not even, like it's been so long since I've done this, but it's important to understand what your net cash on cash return is, like after all your expenses and what's your net operating income and what's the... Um, what are those ratios and those numbers that you need to be aware of? There's a good... Oh, there's a deer. Hey, deer, don't run in front of my car. Thank you. Uh, there is a good program, realestatetools.com, realestatetools.com. And Bigger Pockets has a good software as well. If you're a pro member, which everybody listening to this, you should be a pro member of Bigger Pockets. If you aren't, why not? It's ridiculously cheap. I think I pay $290 a year, $290 a year to be a pro member of Bigger Pockets. And I'm hardly ever on there, but <laughs> uh, shout out to Bigger Pockets. They, uh, they have some really good online tools for real estate analysis. That's the word I was looking for, analysis. And so it's you need to look at that stuff and figure out, okay, well, this is a good deal. This is not a good deal. And that way, even if you're wholesaling, you know, well, what do buy and hold investors look at and what are these good numbers so of course then the market crashes right but if i would have bought those homes with sound fundamentals i could have survived the market crash and everything would have been fine but yeah geez looking back shaking my head right now thinking what i've made so many stupid mistakes in my in the past um so I couldn't buy any more homes because even banks at that time had limits. They weren't very stringent, but they did have limits of how many homes you could actually own at one time. So it was getting harder to get mortgages. And so I bought these courses, all these courses that I could get my hands on about buying subject to, buying loans, buying houses where you take over the existing mortgages, where you could either even buy a home with a lease option. You lease a property from a seller and then have an option to buy it in the future. Um, so I do start, started doing owner financing, subject twos. But here's one of the problems that I started getting myself into, troubles that I started getting myself into. I was still not, I was buying them better, right? Richard Roop and, and uh, especially Chris Kirshner, they did a really good job, Chris Kirshner especially actually, of, of present, teaching you how to present an offer to a seller that in a really good compelling way that wasn't slimy or cheesy but was you know for the most part of well not for the most part it was it was above board right giving the seller options and uh so i started buying properties with better discounts like bigger discounts and uh started getting a lot of offers accepted because i was just doing what these guys said to do for the most part and um, was making a lot of offers so through trial and error, I mean, from this time, I now had about 12, not about 14 homes, um, maybe 16. I had about 14 or 16 homes. And um, I had, I was way over leveraged too. And um, so I'm actually making progress. I'm thinking I'm doing good. You know, I'm looking back now and I'm thinking, okay, the, you know, I didn't, it took me a few years, but you know, that maybe all that stuff I paid, all that coaching for, 
starting to pay off. But then the market crashed. Oh, yeah, so I'm going to relive some painful memories here. Horrible. <laughs> the market crashed, and I went down with it in flames. It was horrible. Very stressful, stressful period in my life. One of the things that some of these gurus taught, like Richard Roop and Chris Kirshner, and I hope it's okay if I use names, um, is they talked about how to use how to buy these houses and borrow your profits early. Like you can put private lenders in second position, you know, behind a seller, uh, or even um, Richard Roop at the time was teaching how to buy free and clear homes where you put a private investor in first position and a seller in second position. So you'd actually put a second position investor um, in, in a small second, in a small loan in first position and put the seller in the larger mortgage in first position, or second position, does that make sense? So let's say it's a $200,000 house free and clear. You make, a, you make the seller a full price offer. I'll buy it from you for um, 200,000 principal only payments. And, uh, so yeah, the seller says, yeah, but you say, okay, well, and, and, and you say, I'm going to put down, um, $10,000 down payment. Seller says, okay, great. But you tell them I'm going to have to put my investor in first position. So what we would do is you, you need $10,000 for the down payment that goes to the seller. You need another $10,000 for repairs and you want to borrow ten thousand um, dollars. What do you want? What do you call it? You want to borrow ten thousand dollars of your profits early. So you would put, you'd get a private investor at thirty thousand dollars. So which private investor? How how hard do you think it is to find a private investor that'd be in first position at thirty grand uh, on a two hundred thousand dollar house? Super easy to find those kinds of investors, right? And so I would put a private investor in first position. I can't believe I'm even talking about this. This is horrible. But there, I, there is a good ending to this story. <laughs> I paid all my private investors back, and I paid all of my owner financing subject to sellers back. All right, But there's a period of time when I almost didn't. Oh, stressful. So, but anyway, I would have a private investor in first position with a small loan, and the seller in second position with a large loan. So the seller would be in second position on like $170,000 and the in investor would be in first position at 30,000. And I borrowed some of those profits early. Well, again, on the spreadsheet, it all looked fine. It all looked good, right? Because no, nothing bad's gonna happen in this market. Real estate never goes down. And you just pay it off. <clears throat> and uh, what's better than a, uh, what's better than getting a loan without a bank? when you can get it right from the seller and from private investors. So, oh man, so stupid. There was, when the market crashed, fast forward a few years, this one particular seller, um, oh, what a disaster. I never missed a payment. I always paid her on time, right? But she kept on calling me. He's like, well, when are you going to cash me out? And I said, well, your contract says I have 10 years. She kept on asking, when are you going to cash me out? When are you going to cash me out? And I said, well, not until it's up. But so... She really wanted her money back, so she started looking in the paperwork. And then she got an attorney involved. And the attorney looked at the paperwork and he's like, what on earth did you do? And the attorney 
I remember getting a letter and uh, talking to the attorney, and the attorney was livid and was yelling at me, like, why would you take advantage of a senior citizen, elderly lady like this, putting her in this kind of position, in, in a dangerous position? Because you, if you understand, that investor in first position could call his loan due and foreclose on me and wipe out the second, right? <clears throat> so the attorney said, you are going to get this fixed now or we're going to sue you for fraud. And so I don't know if they could have won that lawsuit or not because I didn't, I fully disclosed everything, by the way, looking back, I should clarify, in this deal in particular, I had an attorney that did all, everything for me and we closed at a title company and I had that seller sign all kinds of disclosures out the wazoo, everything was open. And I even insisted that her son be there at closing so I could, would not be accused of taking advantage of an elderly person, right? So I had the son there. I had my attorney there. We closed at a title company. It was all above board. Didn't matter. Two years later, seller wants her money back. She feels, she realizes I took it, you know, um, advantage. I did. I, I took advantage. I should not have done that, right? Well, then my private investor, who's in first position, he gets a letter from the attorney, and he's smart enough. He's like, oh, screw you. But then he's like, the, the attorney starts threatening. And he says, the attorney, uh, the, the attorney starts threatening to sue. The private, invest, um, the private investor then says, all right, I want out of this deal. And I had a clause in there that said, anytime you uh, want your money back, just let me know and I'll give, give me 60 days and I'll give you your money back. And so the first investor starts uh, calling me and says, I want my money back. And I said, well, uh, and this is the market's already crashed, right? And I'm like, uh, and I think I owed him 30 grand. I was like, man, I don't have the money. But okay, he said, but in the contract, you said you, you give me 60 days. So the 60 days starts now. I want my money in 60 days. And I start scrambling and I'm freaking out. Because at the time, I remember thinking, well, if I ever needed to pay him back, then I would just get another investor in first position to replace him, right? Well, guess what that's called? That's like the beginning of a Ponzi scheme, isn't it? You get another investor's money to replace the first investor's money, right? It's like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, and I could not put another investor in first position. Um, oh, I remember how it happened. <laughs> There's something. I won't go into the details, but I couldn't get another investor to replace him because there wasn't enough equity in the deal, and that new investor would have had to be in second position, and no investor in their right mind would would borrow or lend me money at 110% of the current market value. Um, oh, what a disaster. And so then this second, I mean, the, the, the private investor in first possession, position starts threatening to sue me if I don't give him his money back. And I have the lawyer of the homeowner, the previous, the seller, is threatening to sue me if I don't put her in first position. So I'm getting threatened lawsuits on both sides, on both ends. And I'm 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 freaking out. It's like oh my gosh. And during this time too, everything is around me is falling apart. I have all these other homes with vacancies. Uh, I'm starting to get behind on mortgage payments on some of my rentals. I never did miss a mortgage payment on any of the subject two homes that I bought. Okay, but I was consistent. Like every month, I was paying on like day thirty because <laughs> they were getting day fifteen. Uh, well, the mortgage payments are due on the first, right? 
And so day 15 is when your late fees start racking up, right? And then the homeowner starts getting calls from the bank. Where's the money? Where, when are you going to pay the mortgage? And then the homeowners would call me of these subject to homes and say, when are you going to pay the mortgage? And I'd say, uh, soon, I promise. And then if you miss the 30 days, if it's 30 days, that's when it hits the homeowner's credit report that they have a 30-day late on their mortgage, right? And so, uh, oh my gosh. And uh, so I started like robbing Peter to pay Paul and started, I could not miss these mortgage payments or else the seller who had the original mortgage in place was going to get a 30-day late on their credit. Um, so I would always find a way to pay it at the last minute. And there were times when I had to miss my own home's mortgage payments, like the home I was living in, I had to miss our mortgage payments so I could pay the mortgage payments of these subject to homes that I bought. What a cluster, right? Oh my gosh. So I was so stressed out and uh, getting threatened with lawsuits and I was getting uh, vacancies out of fire in one house. Um, I had a, uh, at, at the time I had a, uh, a fire and so, the insurance company um, sent me a bunch of money to get it fixed. And I had a, f a contractor there um, do a bunch of work to fix it. The insurance company stupidly sent me a check. I needed the money to pay the mortgage. So I paid the mortgage and didn't pay the contractor for his work. And so then the contractor um, is suing me and gets a judgment in court on me for not paying him. It was like five or six thousand dollars or something like that that I owed him. He gets a judgment from me in and and starts chasing me, gets bill collectors now trying to get this money from me. So the insurance company paid me, but I I needed the money to pay the mortgage bills. So what oh, a disaster. Um completely stressed out, right? And so finally though this one seller that that has an attorney, the homeowner that I had owner finances with is suing me and the private investor is suing me and the private investor actually says if you don't, you have one week all right and if you don't pay me my money in one week i'm going to foreclose on the home and i'm going to wipe out the second so he's in first position at 30 the seller is in second position at like 170 right or something like that and uh so i actually borrowed my parents wouldn't help me i called my dad so stressed out oh my gosh he wouldn't help me. I just needed, I think it was like 23 grand or something like that. I needed 23 grand. Um, nobody would help me. So I, my assistant at that time, I actually borrowed money from my assistant. And this is a lady that was helping me sell homes. She was an investor. She kind of understood what I was doing. And she knew me and trusted me. I mean, she saw everything that was going on in me with my life. And she actually lent me the money. And I was able to pay the private investor off and put the seller in first position. And everybody was happy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but I was paying my assistant. She's a smart investor. And so I was paying her like a high interest rate. Um, and I paid her back in like six months or something like that. Just paid her off. But uh, thank God I got out of that. because Can you imagine if that private investor foreclosed? And then what would have happened with all of the, oh my heavens. Um, so I was a wreck. I had tons of vacancies, lots of uh, starting to get foreclosures, starting to lose houses to short sales. Um, I had tenants that were trashing properties. I had one house where the tenant just, 
Oh, it was horrible. I'll, I'll finish my, my drama in another episode. Um, we're almost at 20 minutes, and uh, I'll see you guys.